Hello and welcome back to another episode of Farewell Evangelion, the Neon Genesis Evangelion podcast where we go through the series bit by bit. My name is Keith, going through for his last time, and as always I'm joined by Peter. Hello! Who is going through for his first? So today we went through volume 11 of the Shinji Akari Raising Project. This was originally released on February 26th, 2011. Uh, so again, almost keeping with the trend, almost a full year from the last volume. Uh, they're very slow with releasing this one. Uh, the synopsis is, of all the unbelievable things that have happened in the Shinji Akari Raising Project, the most shocking is that Yui has finally managed to dig Kyoko out of her laboratory to join the crew in a forest retreat. Asuka and Shinji are bound to get close by accident, but wait, are they actually getting closer? Then it's back to the target training for the students, but this time the arena is their school, and this time the targets are shooting back. Yep. Um, this was uh, certainly a volume where events happened. <laughs> uh, how do I put this? Uh, oh, first of all, for my prediction, um, it doesn't matter anymore. I missed the Culture Fest. None of these predictions matter. Um, I mean, sure, let's... Uh, I rounded out this entire season with Fs, so let's just give myself an F, and I'll go back to making legitimate predictions at the end of this episode, I suppose. And maybe we'll see what happens with that. Um, but yeah, this this episode. So yeah, first chapter, before we get into the stuff that they actually talk about in the synopsis, uh, involves uh, Misato doing her best to devise the most unfair game possible. Um, <laughs> That's a way to put it. It's also uh, pretty solid, like, Misato devises the most unfair game possible, but I think she's fully aware of Shinji's harem powers at this point, because she devises the game in such a way that it would be balanced out by his harem powers, uh, and also, when they're, like, walking towards the pool, because this whole event happens in a swimming pool, by the way, Yeah. Uh, and wh when they're walking to the pool, Misato specifically calls out, Hey, Shinji! Girls' dressing rooms are on the left, you have to go right. And then, like, even after saying that, when they walk into the pool, she makes a comment about how nothing weird happened in the uh, dressing room, so she's a little bit surprised by that from the sounds of it. So, like, she seems to be aware of Shinji's uh, situation at this point. Yeah. Uh, and is calling attention to it. So, anyways, uh, the game that she devises, which is both very unbalanced, but seems to be balanced out by Shinji's harem powers, is its tag, essentially... Um, except it's two versus one, where Shinji has to tag either Asuka or Rei, and either one of them has to tag Shinji, and to make it even further unbalanced, where it's already two versus one, uh, the team of two is given dodgeballs to- are given a dodgeball to throw at Shinji, which also counts as tagging. Yeah, it's almost like, also, I mean, uh, that's... Asuka and Rei are playing dodgeball, and Shinji's playing, like, tag, in a sense. Yeah, Shinji's, uh... So... They are playing offensively dodgeball and defensively tag, and Shinji's offensively playing tag and defensively playing dodgeball. He doesn't want to get hit by a dodgeball, but he does want to tag, whereas the other ones don't want to get tagged and do want to get uh, do want to hit him with a dodgeball. And I'll be honest, this concept of a game seems pretty fun. It's an interesting concept. Um, I would, I think it would be interesting to d turn this into an actual game if you added more players. And had a situation where, like, the person who hits Shinji with a dodgeball, or whoever's it in this case, then becomes it, and the goal of the game is to actually get a tag while it. Um, I don't know. I don't know how exactly I would balance it into a proper game, but there is the bones of an interesting game hiding yeah. somewhere inside of here. Um, as I already stated, though, uh, so it's done in rounds. Um, which makes sense, so it's not they hit him with a ball, and then after he gets hit with a ball, he just keeps swimming at them and tags them. He has to tag them before they hit him with a ball. If they hit him first, then it resets. Um, and as previously mentioned, Shinji's harem powers bounce us out, because it's not normal tag, it's just if his body physically comes in contact with their body in some way before they hit him with a ball, uh, it's counted as tag, so uh, if he... I did think this actually at first, uh, what you're saying, but... Uh, what ends up happening near the end, because in the final thing, and I'm not going to reveal what it is yet because we haven't gotten there yet, uh, Misato clarifies that at the end, the tag on Rei counted, but the one on Asuka didn't, and that's the one where he actually did tag with his hand, so I think his hand is the requirement. I'm not entirely sure about that, because I don't even think he hit Rei with his hand, I think he hit Rei with his crotch, 
Uh, because no, it's, if you, uh, it's like off to the side, but you see his hands on her. Uh, if you say so, I guess. Um, I'm trying to pull up the chapter now so I can actually see that for myself. Because there's also the one where he tags on uh, Asuka slightly before that. And he just kind of face plants into her uh, chest. And then uh, she beats the shit out of him with a ball. Yeah, also it's uh, page 20. Page 20, thank you. Yeah, his hand is grasping her ass. You're correct. Yeah, so I think specifically he has to follow tag rules where his hand needs to hit them. Because that's how he got the point on Asuka earlier as well. Uh, so I, I think it's just... That's why Asuka was like, you better not say that it was a point on me, because that fucking wasn't. Yeah, in any case, it's he still manages to use his hand powers to his advantage, because he slips and falls into ways that he's grasping their bodies, uh, when in any normal balancing of this game, they would just kick the shit out of him with the ball no matter what. Now, I, I know you said that you're considering it he's actively using his powers from now on, and uh, later on in this volume, Asuka makes the same assumption and moves forward with it, but I, I yes. do have to point out, the first one of this uh, chapter... Where fucking Oscar just nails them in the back of the head. That I, I don't think that one was his fault at all. That was definitely not no, his fault. No, that one wasn't his fault. And I'm not saying that every time something like that happens, it's his fault and he's actively using his powers. All I am saying is that as of last chapter, I can no longer believe he's not aware of his powers. I think he is consciously aware of his harem powers at this point. Yeah. And certain instances where he uses them, it is intentional that he uses them. Exactly. Um... So yes, there are definitely still going to be accidental cases and misfires or whatever you want to call it. But yes, there are definite cases where he's intentionally using his powers. Um, other people have been aware of them for a lot longer than him. Like Misato, when she decided to make him a horny ghost in that one volume a long time ago. <laughs> uh, she was aware of his hair and powers at that point, and he wasn't. Uh, anyways, so that's the first chapter is uh, them playing there, that. There's one more part of the first chapter, which is kind of like the soft open for the volume I want to touch on, and that's the fact yeah. that Shinji has had the return of the you gotta pick me, I'm your partner dreams. Oh yeah, fucking, except it starts off not with those sentences, it starts off with him having a stroke, yes. and Asuka saying something like, uh, are you surreal? Get that fish out of the sky, ba Baka. You can't keep your mouth in step with the sea foam, eh? Your parsnip is tree. So, I read that approximately six or seven times, thinking I was having a stroke. <laughs> am I and having a stroke, or is Asuka having the stroke? Is, am I having a stroke? Is Shinji having a stroke, and we're standing for Shinji, and this is what he hears? Or is Asuka the one having a stroke? I don't know who's having a stroke here. Maybe it's all three. Uh, and then it was revealed that it's back to him having those weird dreams. Yeah. And, yeah. But yeah, it's yes. just the fact that like they fucking have a stroke, and I, I lost it laughing. Uh, with that part in itself, but I do just really enjoy the sentence of your parsnip is tree. Your parsnip is tree, yeah. yeah. Uh, there were other versions of that. I I gotta go back and see. Uh, it's just yeah, that one stuck out because I read it like seven fucking times. Uh, your preview is free and pink slip is fee. Pink slip is fee, that's one. They're taking his uh, car. Uh, so yeah, that's the first volume. Or not first volume, that's the first chapter of the 11th volume. Way to go, Peter. You know numbers and shit. Fucking study math and keep keeping in track number. Can't even fucking speak, but that's unrelated to the math. Anyways. Yeah, uh, whatever but, dream Asuka had. Yeah. Uh, the next two volume... Fuck, no, the next two chapters of this one volume are more of those, like, series chapters where it's telling one story over the course of two chapters. Yeah. But they're two different, like, sub-stories, and these ones are all about uh, the group going on a camping trip, and by the group, I mean the Artificial Evolution Labs. Yeah. Uh, so it's the three kids, it's Gendo, Yui, uh, the lab techs, and then Kyoko, as mentioned in the description. They somehow managed to get her outside of the lab for a couple days. Yeah. And uh, these chapters are pretty much, it's an Asuka chapter and a Ray chapter is the best way to break it down. Yeah. Uh, honestly, I would say even the Ray chapter feels like an Asuka chapter, because it's focusing on how Asuka's realizing that she's not as close with Shinji as Rei is somehow. Yeah. Um, the volume as a whole seemed like it was Asuka realizing that uh, if she keeps acting the way she is with Shinji, Shinji's only going to get closer with Rei, and he's not going to get closer with her. Um, which is unfortunate. Oh, I forgot to mention, Mana's also on this trip, because of course Mana's on this trip. Was Mana on this trip? Why no, was she, she was not. Oh, it was Misato who was uh, going fishing with him. Sorry, yeah. that's my bad. 
Mono shows up later on in the chapter, or in the volume, but not on this camping trip. Exactly. Um, uh, first things first, uh, the thing that I uh, lost it immediately in this uh, chapter was, was when uh, they're like, oh, the girl's cabin's are over there, the guy's cabin's over here, come with me, Shinji, and you look over to Gendo, and he's got the fucking thief backpack thing of, like, you know, stereotypical Japanese thief. Yeah. <laughs> like, he's like, got a thief backpack. That bag? And it's fucking massive. And Shinji's just like, yo, what's in the fucking bag? And Gendo's like, don't worry about it, kid. <laughs> Never um, you mind, son. There's actually something slightly before that, or it might have been slightly after that, uh, which also made me really laugh. Which was as they're all like piling under the vans and walking up, Oscar's like tapping her pockets and like, man, I feel like I'm forgetting something. What am I forgetting? And then as they're all like walking into the like girls' cabin, she turns around and runs back to the car. And she's like, I knew it, because her mom was still just fully unconscious in the car and was probably going to spend the entire vacation sleeping there if she didn't go back for her. Yeah. Case uh, in point. So she makes a point. I think uh, Kyoko even has a line of, sorry, I'm not so good with actual oxygen. Uh, implying that anytime she goes outside, she immediately passes the fuck out. I mean, I'm not surprised. Uh, she has the line in this one that she's still sleeping off grad school. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. It, it, it's not that it happens before. It kind of happens intertwined because the Oscar stuff's kind of like background panel stuff. Fair. Uh, so yeah, anyways, for this uh, first chapter in the two-chapter segment, uh, it starts off with... Uh, Gendo divvying everyone up with, with tasks for getting food, so he and the lab techs are going off into the woods for to forage for mushrooms. Uh, the three kids with Misato are going to be uh, fishing for fish. And then I forget what... I think Kyoko and Yui are staying back at the cabin, mostly because Kyoko's going to be unconscious. Well, specifically and, it was Yui, you're going to get the kitchen ready for cooking. And then he looks over and is like, I forgot you were going to be here, Kyoko, so you, you go with Yui, I guess. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and we find out that uh, Gendo is misleading everyone again because the lab techs aren't going with him to fish for mushrooms, or forge for mushrooms. But we'll get to that in a second because first we have to have a fishing montage of. And not even a fishing montage. It's uh, Shinji trying to explain to Ray how to fish because he realizes Ray's never fished before. Oscar getting a vegetarian, up I'm not surprised. Yeah. Oscar uh, getting upset because she also doesn't uh, know how to fish and she also like points out that it's like. Because Shinji makes a line about how it's a very uh, vital skill knowing how to fish. And Asuka gets pissed off, one, because he's focusing on Rei and not teaching Asuka how to fish. And two, because of the fact that fishing is not a vital skill in any way, shape, or form in the society they live in. Uh, give it a couple years and get to rebuild and have society collapse. Yeah, fishing becomes valuable. But where they're currently at, just go to a fucking supermarket and buy fish if you need fish. Fishing is not a vital skill. The way Shinji's like building it up right there. Yeah, uh, um, teach a man to fish, uh, he'll fish forever, but teach a man how to find a supermarket and he doesn't have to worry. Yeah, he doesn't have to worry about learning an expensive and time-consuming fucking hobby. Um, uh, now, uh, I know you said uh, you're giving yourself an F ranking for this one, but the fact that Asuka seems to have reached your same mentality of there are no more accidents, which happens during the fishing thing, I think you get a little bit of points on your prediction. Fair, I'll give myself a D. <laughs> uh, D for D's nuts! No, I won't. That, I'll give myself a D, but it doesn't stand for that. It just stands for do better, Peter. Uh, <laughs> I mean, even though it was your prediction, uh, the fact that you and Asuka have reached the same wavelength uh, as of this volume of... No, Shinji's had enough accidents. There are no more accidents. Yeah, and that happens during this fishing segment, where uh, he's explaining to Ray about how to cast the fishing rod, and you have to like bring the hook back, and then you flick it over your shoulder, and then the hook will go out, and you'll attract fish that way. And while he's bringing it back and flicking it forward, it catches on Asuka's top and pulls her top up. And the moment this is happening, Shinji already is staring that I'm sorry, Asuka, it was an accident. And um, Asuka cuts him off and she's like, no, there's no more accident. And then... Uh, You've reached your, reached your crota. Yeah, she like punches him into the pond. He like gets tripped up with uh, fucking Ray, And then because he's uh, clutching onto Ray delicately while they're both soaking wet... Uh, Ray, or not Ray, Asuka starts kicking the shit out of him, explaining that each of these punches is actually an accident, she's not intentionally punching him. Uh, to which Shinji tries to counter, I thought you just said there's no such thing as accidents anymore. And she's like, yeah, after this fucking ass whooping's over, there's no more accidents. This ass whooping still technically counts as an accident. This is the deciding line when accidents no longer occur. Um, which is kind of good, because the, like, upcoming segment with uh, Asuka, uh, he doesn't actually 
use his harem powers. Granted, I'm getting ahead of myself because we still have the ray bit first. Uh, but, like, he doesn't have one of those, like, accidents with Asuka in the upcoming part. So maybe he has decided to tone it back and agree that there are no more accidents. At least while they're on this camping trip. Probably for the best. You, you don't want to be too radical while Gendo's around. <sighs> yeah. So anyways, um, the actual meat and potatoes of this chapter... So first of all, speaking of meat and potatoes, uh, they don't get any fish because their disturbance scares away all the fish. Uh, as previously oh, mentioned... It's because Misato's... Well, they're like fucking splashing around in the river. Misato's just sitting there drinking a beer. Yeah. Um... As for uh, the mushroom foraging team, uh, as previously mentioned, Gendo gave the lab techs a different job, and he was the only one foraging mushrooms. And so the only mushrooms he found were extremely poisonous. Uh, East Asian death caps is what they're called. Uh, so they agreed not to eat that. Uh, and then Yui brings up the fact that she fully had no faith in anyone foraging any amount of food on this trip. So she brought some chicken and beef, and they're just going to have a fucking barbecue instead? Yeah. And again, uh, it's already been established, even in this series, that Ray is vegetarian. Yeah. Uh, also, to continue with the Misato jokes, uh, when Yui brings up the fact that she brought chicken and fish, uh, or not chicken and fish, uh, chicken and beef uh, for the barbecue, Misato's like, don't worry, I also brought some uh, groceries that the kind that, like, clink together when you carry them in a bag. And they foam when you open them, so Misato just brought a bunch of fucking beer on this camping trip. Which is very on-brand for Misato. Yeah. Uh, so they end up having their barbecue eating, and then once it's over, Gendo re reveals the actual activity for this night. And it wasn't fishing for food, and he also explains what the lab techs were doing this entire time. Because they're gonna have a classic test of courage, where you walk out in pairs to the other side of the forest, and then you walk back... And you collect some mysterious material at the end and come back with it to prove that you're courageous. Meanwhile, the lab techs hide in the woods and try and spook you. Yeah, they're dressed up as a ghost, a vampire, and an oni. Yeah. And so, uh... I don't remember what most of the teams are, because the only one that matters is Shinji and Rei. It's really just Misato and, uh... uh Asuka and Rei and Shinji. Oh, Kyoko and Yui are also a team. Yeah, but we uh, never see anything. About yeah, them. no, we don't see anyone. We don't see anyone other than uh, Shinji and Rei. Yeah. Um, and to be fair, Kyoko probably didn't even make it to the woods. Probably didn't. She was probably fully unconscious. As soon as she pulled the slip and saw whose team she was on, she probably went inside and passed out. Yeah. Um. So, Rei has never done this before because you know she's a clone and has no human experiences. Uh, and Misato pulls her aside and explains, "Hey, this is a test of courage." This is like a thing that young kids do together as they walk in the woods. And just remember, if you get scared, it's perfectly normal to, like, clutch tightly onto Shinji. That's what tests of courage are for. Um, and then they start walking into the woods, and Rei fully misinterprets what Misato was saying. Uh, because she thinks about it some more, because there's nothing spooky happening at their first couple steps into the woods. And she just remembers uh, Misato talking about clutching tightly to Shinji and assumes that's the test of courage. Are you courageous enough to clutch tightly up against this boy you have a crush on? Um, and she thinks about it. Uh, yeah, it's so, kind of like the, uh, the uh, uh, what is it, Oedipal thing from the earlier volumes, where yeah, Ray does not just understand any of this. 100%. Um, <laughs> speaking of people who don't understand anything... Uh, the three lab techs who set up this test of courage, because the one, like, trap we see that they set up is just what appears to be a brick on a rope that just swings and hits Shinji in the fucking face. Yeah. Uh, that's the one thing we see. Because as they're getting ready to set up the next one, Gendo goes running into the woods to check on the lab techs and sees how things are doing. Um, so he walks up to them, asks them how's it going. <laughs> oh, no, 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 you're, you're missing something very important here about what Gendo does to the lab techs. So he turns on a light pointed at his own face, uh, and I think his exact phrase is, how's it going, ladies? Yeah. Um, and so they see that, and they all scream and run away in terror. And um, Shinji uses this as an opportunity to end their test of courage earlier, and so he grabs onto Ray's hand, and they go running back towards the rest of the group, which uh, Asuka starts by making fun of them, and then sees that they're holding hands, and gets very upset about the situation. 
Uh, Gendo also tries to blame the three lab techs for uh, the reason the plan failed, and they're like, no, it's your fault. They say, no, it's your fault, and then Gendo's response is, that it's all going according to plan. The man with plans within plans. Yeah. Alright, so that's the first of the two chapters. That was the Ray on the camping trip chapter, now we have the Asuka yeah. on the camping trip chapter. Yeah. Uh, uh, which starts with them playing badminton, and it's uh, Asuka and Shinji on a team together, and they lose, like, 21-3 to three or some shit. Um, I think it was Asuka's... that. It was, like, 17-21 to 21 or something like that. No, final score of the Asuka and Shinji match is 21-3. to three. Oh. But then Asuka asks to switch teams, because she, of course, fully blames Shinji for playing poorly. Uh, and Shinji teams up with Rei. And Shinji and Rei actually win, and that's the one that's a lot closer, and it's 21-17. to 17. Yeah. Or no, 21 to... One, yeah. yeah, that one's a lot closer. It might even be closer than 21-17. to 17. It might be 21-19. to 19. In any case, uh, they end up having a much closer match uh, with that. Uh, and after Shinji actually manages to play pretty well and win while on Rei's team, Misato, like, pulls Asuka aside and does, like, the really annoying, like, elbow-touching shoulder and be like, eh, eh, they got some really good chemistry over there. They really know how to work together. You and Shinji can't work together for shit, but those two, oh, those two really know how to work together. Don't you see? Can't you see how good they are together? Don't you think they'd make a good couple? Uh, which just pisses Asuka off, because of course it does. Um... Gendo ends up seeing that their uh, Asuka and Shinji are fighting. Well, not even fighting, but Asuka's just shouting at Shinji for not being good on her team and being good on uh, Rei's team. So he comes up with a planned activity for the second day, which is an orienteering race, where uh, different people are going to go in at different times. They have to map their way around the mountain and then come back, and whoever does it fastest wins. The thing I love about this is Gendo gives all like this fluff reasons for why he's doing it, and Yui just calls him on. It's like, no, you're you're lying. <laughs> yeah, I, like he gives something about how uh, Asuka and Shinji need better teamwork for upcoming events, and she's like, uh, no, fuck you. That's 100 percent not your reasoning. Uh, it's something like he just wanted to mess with everyone or some shit. Yeah, he wanted to uh, cause chaos because that's what Gendo is. This is the closest we get to like original Neon Genesis Gendo. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, also, he explains that they're going out in half an hour increments. So the first team's going out, then half an hour later, the second team goes out. And then a half an hour after that, the third team goes out. So a full hour after the first team leaves. And then his planned activity for uh, what they're going to do while they're uh, waiting between uh, events uh, take off is Kyoko and Yui are just going to lecture them on some esoteric science BS. Um we're never going to find out what the artificial lab actually does. No, 100% not. But I find it very fun because this is like the one time we see Kyoko like wide fucking awake. It's like, yeah, sure, I'll lecture uh, children about esoteric science. Are yeah, you guys That's talking about science? Alright, I just pulled up the exact sentence she says when, uh, <clears throat> like, Yui has this whole argument with Gendo about what's your actual reasoning. And then, uh, Fucking Kyoko, like, cuts off their argument, and she's like, He's right! We all just gotta have fun! Come on, Yui! Let's tell him about how if you replace N in by I-N for negative energy states, you get a constant shift in the charge density! And it's just, this is the full time, first time Kyoko's fully engaged in activity, and it's just lecturing children about science, and it's great. Um, now here's the thing. Asuka has been contemplating how uh, Shinji and Rei have great chemistry, and it's weird that she doesn't, because they're the childhood friends who have known each other the longest. So she is... How weird. Pretty, pretty gung-ho about this um, orienteering race, because she wants to prove that Shinji and Asuka, while teamed up, can still accomplish goals and win challenges. So it's very important to her that they win. So they practically sprint up the mountain towards the first checkpoint. And then Shinji's like, we're making good time. Could we maybe not sprint the rest of the way? And Asuka's like, you got two options here. We follow the path and we sprint. Or we go through the rough jungle on a direct route towards the second objective. At a light jog at best. Those are your two options. Uh, to which Shinji hums and haws. And best I can tell, Asuka decides if he's not going to choose one or the other, she's going to choose both and just start sprinting into the dense jungle. Um, 
Which, I mean, good for her, I guess. Yeah, because her whole thing is like, uh, fine, if we're slowing down, we're taking a fucking shortcut. Yeah. And, like, she even has the, like, interior acknowledgement of, I just want us to be able to win something together. And, uh, doesn't have the capacity to admit that to Shinji, obviously. No. Uh, and just straight up telling him that the reason she's acting so, uh, intense right now is because she does not like losing. So she just walks wildly into the woods, gets lost, trips, sprains her fucking ankle. And then Shinji abandons her, almost immediately. Uh, he's like, oh, did you hurt your foot? And she's like, I'm fine. He's like, alright, you just sit there, don't move, I'm gonna walk away. And that's pretty much the entire explanation he gives her, is sit there, don't move, I'm leaving. Uh, which is kind of hurtful, and she ends up crying into her knees, and I don't blame her if <laughs> I was with one other person, and then we walked into the woods, and I got injured, and they said, sit here and don't move, and then they just fucked off, my feelings would be pretty hurt, I'll be honest. Um, but she ends up kind of thinking about how all of this injury that's happening is kind of her entire fault, because she didn't listen to him when he just wanted to take a nice little walk around the mountain. Um, and then she ends up having a flashback to when they were a child, and uh, she beat the shit out of Shinji and then had to carry him home. Which was super embarrassing for him, because uh, she's a girl and he's a boy, but uh, she had to carry him because she beat the shit out of him. And she wakes up from this flashback with Shinji returning, and he's like, yo, I just like walked around a little bit, figured out where we are, I'm gonna lead the way back to Salvation, because I know what direction it's in now that I've oriented myself during this orienteering race. Uh, and then he offers to carry her, and she's like, nope, we're not doing that, and he's like, yeah, we are. And then they have a nice little heart-to-heart -heart while he carries her back towards camp. I do actually really enjoy this flashback, too, because it... Uh, I, usually in these types of, like, stories where it's, like, got the slice of little romance thing going on, it's always the guy doing the thing, and that's what got the girl, like, attracted to it. So I like the reverse of this, where it was fucking Shinji got injured, and Asuka's like, fine. Yeah, fine, fuck it, I'll carry you. Uh, it also seems like she's building herself up to, like, say something, because uh, she, like, nestles real close to Shinji while scaring her, and she's like, hey, back of Shinji. I got something to tell you. And he's like, yeah? And then immediately Misato and Ayanami show up and see that Shinji's carrying Rei, and they're like, oh, shit, we went looking for you because you've been gone for so long. And then they uh, work together to get Asuka back to camp where she's examined. Well, it's not quite that because Misato's like, oh, I'm glad you guys didn't decide to move on from chemistry to biology. Oh, right, yeah. Misato calls them out and says she fully assumed they were, like, essentially performing sexual activities out there in the woods. Um. Anyways, yeah, they get back. Um, and they all... Like, Gendo's all fucking proud of himself because... Now that Shinji's carrying Asuka, it's clear their fighting has been put to bed, and he has resolved the issue single-handedly. Um, and Yui straight up calls out, like, the fact that they're getting along now has absolutely nothing to do with Gendo's input. Which Just is as planned! 100% Gendo did this entirely. Um, all on Gendo. And then they end up eating some more food, and Gendo's told he's not allowed to drink because he has to drive tomorrow. Yeah. That is the end of the camping arc. Yeah, and overall, I think the camping arc's actually a really, like, nice storyline in there. It is. It's nice and, like, pleasant. Uh, speaking of nice, pleasant ones, we got another nice, pleasant one going on. Because the next one, uh, is a, kind of a, something we've already seen before, but... Yeah, the, it's fine. the first volume had the, the, uh, summer festival, so we've kind of got a full year at this point, I guess? I guess so. Because we're at another festival. Um... And, uh, Shinji, Rei, and Asuka are all showing up in, uh, Yukata's, I believe they're called. I think so. Yeah, Yukata. As in, Yukata, help me out here, bro! I'm so confused on how to put it on! Whoa, do Which we is have- what, wait, uh, is that Toji on the podcast with us? Uh, no, that was actually Asuka asking Kyoto, or Kyoko how to do it. Uh... It might have been Toji, too, except Toji would never be caught dead wearing one, because that's for the ladies, bro. Sorry, the ladies, prof. Actually, I, um, Yukata, there's male Yukatas, too. 
Yeah, but I still don't think Toji would ever be caught dead wearing it. Uh, in fact, I in believe point, Shinji is also this... wearing a yukata in this. Oh, Shinji absolutely is wearing a yukata. I'm not surprised uh, Toji doesn't make a comment about who's that cute girl walking between Rei and Asuka. Is that that uh, cute girl and... from the festival? Did she cut her hair real short? Um, she looks a lot like but, a yeah, case, case in point, during this event, Hakari, uh, uh, Rei, Asuka, and Mana are all wearing yukatas. Shinji's wearing a yukata. And then, um, Kensuke is just wearing his, like, normal t-shirt and, like, button-up shirt school uniform thing. And Toji's just wearing a fucking tracksuit. So, like, yeah, I, I'm not saying he wouldn't, I just can't imagine Toji actually wearing a yukata. Toji's just um, always dressed for sport. Yeah. So this is another one of those ones where Mana shows up, and... Shinji's got a problem with Mana Man, and by a problem with Mana Man, I mean... Shinji doesn't know how to interact with Mana without flirting heavily with Mana or allowing Mana to flirt with him and responding in kind. Because, like, every interaction he has with Mana, even if it's Mana, like, initiating the interaction, Shinji seems to, like, 100% go along with it. Like, in last episode, in last volume, I forget exactly what happened, but Mana showed up. And Shinji just 100% flirted with her, and Ray and I or Ray and Oscar. Oh, right, it was during the band thing. Yeah, like he 100% went along with everything Mana said and didn't really question any of it or try and come up with a system that was fair for anyone else. I mean, to be fair, um, I'm not sure Shinji understands what Mana's doing. I'm not sure he does, but I'm just saying. Everything Mana says, Shinji seems to 100% go along with, and like when they were having about. Both of these girls want to be the lead singer. And then Mana said, I think it's fair if I'm the only lead singer. And Asuka's like, I think it's fair if we both sing an equal amount. Shinji, like, had the thought process of, you know, Mana's definitely 100% right here. But there's no way Asuka's gonna like hearing that. <laughs> and, like, I, I'm not saying Shinji is aware of what he's doing in this case. But he is 100% enabling Mana's actions. And it's, uh, I can see why it would upset... Uh, Ray and Asuka. That's or Asuka specifically. Yeah. Um, anyway, so yeah, Mana shows up, flirts with Shinji a little bit, Shinji flirts with Mana back, and then Asuka immediately gets pissed off at Shinji because he's like, why the fuck are you flirting with her when you didn't say anything nice about me or Ray's uh, uh, Yukata? And then, uh, we get another little nice moment with, um, Shinji and Asuka, where Ray starts commenting on how she doesn't really... She's not used to the type of sandals, and she's a bit uncomfortable. And then, uh, Asuka starts explaining, like, oh, you've never done this before. She's doing it in, like, a shitty way. She's like, oh, you don't understand how to do this. You've never done this before. But she's, even though she's doing it in a shitty way, she is, like, providing helpful information of, like, the reason that this is uncomfortable for you is because of this thing that you're experiencing. And the fix for that thing is to take a band-aid and put it between your, uh, toes so that it like protects your foot from the knot thing uh and even as she's explaining this she like clearly takes out a band-aid to hand to ray so like oscar's being a little shitty in her attitude but she's genuinely helping uh ray out and providing valuable information and then mana just steps up and like cuts her off at the end and pulls out a band-aid of her own and hands it to ray and like you have a moment of like man that's kind of shitty that like mana just stole oscar's thunder there but then Shinji full-on calls out Asuka, and she's like, you know, it's pretty cool how you're, like, prepared for situations like these, and you know a lot of stuff, and you're like, man, what good on you, Shinji. But Asuka, um, straight on calls him out, and she's like, fuck off, Shinji. Don't talk to me like that. What, are you trying to say that you're also suffering in this situation because you didn't know how to wear sandals? Um, and Shinji's like, you know what, you're calling me out. But you're fair and accurate? Yeah, that's 100% what's going on here. <laughs> I'm mostly just explaining that I'm also in physical pain and was wondering if I could use that band-aid that you took out to give to Ray, but couldn't give to Ray. And so, Asuka hands him the band-aid, and he thanks her. He doesn't even, like, use it. Uh, as he's taking the band-aid from her, he just says, Thanks, I'll hold on to this. No, Shinji, she gave it to you for a purpose, and she just explained what the purpose was. Fucking use it! Don't just hold on to this band -aid. Maybe that's not what really happened, and that was just, we were hearing what Asuka assumed he was saying. Yes, Asuka, I am incompetent. Please give me the band-aid. Yeah, probably. 
So anyway, as they uh, start going through the festival, and Asuka notices that Shinji keeps... Well, Shinji asks the group what they want to do, and both Mana and Rei give suggestions of things they would like to do. And so Shinji's like, yeah, cool, we'll do what you guys want to do. And so they start doing Fuck those Asuka. things, and Asuka gets a little bit upset because Shinji didn't ask what I wanted to do. And it's like, he kind of did, though, because he didn't ask Rei and Mana specifically. He asked the group what they wanted to do. So him not asking you isn't him treating you any differently than he treated anyone else? I, I think he does directly ask Ray, though. Yeah, that's uh, entirely possible. Yeah, he does ask Ray specifically. Ray explains it, and then um, Mana like jumps in while Ray's explaining what she wants to do and uh, explains what she wants to do. And then it's a bit of a festival montage of them doing things that everyone wants to do. Yeah. Meanwhile, Mana gets to catch goldfish. Uh... Ray gets her uh, pen pen hat, Mask. and then yeah. Toji gets food. Yeah, uh, and throughout this entire montage, uh, Oscar's constantly in the back, looking upset, uh, getting further and further pissed off because they're just doing the things that everyone else wants to do. And now that I think about it, Oscar does even mention that she wants a shooting gallery as like a callback to what they did in the first volume. Yeah, a rematch, uh, if you will. Yeah. And uh, Shinji's like, nah, I just kind of want to hang out and relax and enjoy the festival, sorry. And so she's just getting pissed off because they're doing everything that everyone else wants to do, but not the one thing she wants to do. Uh, and then uh, she even, like, tries to chew out a little bit. Uh, well, not right away. So the first thing that happens is uh, her sandal breaks, and she trips and falls because of it. And then, uh, fuck, what is it? Mana steps in, and she's like, oh... If you have a handkerchief, there's a very easy fix where you can replace that uh, strap that broke on your sandal with a handkerchief. And then Shinji's like, oh yeah, my mom explained and showed me how to do that one time. Uh, I can do that for you. And this is right before the fireworks are supposed to start, so... Uh, Toji's like, I got a great spot to watch the fireworks. Let's go watch the fireworks. Meanwhile, Shinji's like, you guys go ahead. I'm going to do the handkerchief thing for Asuka's sandal. And then we'll catch up with you guys. Now, now be... Ray and Mana do try to stop this, but then uh, Hikari's like, no. The no, only person's got Asuka's back. Let Asuka have this one fucking moment, guys, alright? Cool. So yeah, uh, Shinji, they find a secluded bench, which I'm gonna level with you. If you're ever at a fireworks show and you see a seating implement that is empty and also there is no one around the seating implement... You got a shit view for the fireworks, just as a heads up. Uh, Pretty much. And that's proven right, because I sit on this bench and Shinji starts slowly working on the handkerchief trick. I say slowly, not like he's intentionally doing it slowly, it's just he's literally never done this before and watched it happen exactly once, so it's gonna take some fucking time. I mean, pretty good job uh, on him for doing it, though. He honestly did do a pretty solid job, so kudos to him for that. Um, and while this is happening, the fireworks start... And Asuka straight up calls him out, and she's like, hey, you picked a shitty spot to do this because we have a terrible view of the fireworks. They're on the other side of that tree line. We have no line of sight to them. Uh, and she's like, all right, cool. Do you want to, like, get up and move? And she's like, you're holding my shoe right now. No, I don't want to get up and move. How about you fix my fucking shoe and do it quickly? Um, and he does. I mean, he fixes her shoe. Uh, it doesn't seem to take too fucking long. Uh, and then they start walking back towards the other group uh she starts getting pissed off and explaining about how he spent all of his time fawning over ayanami and kirishima and never did anything with her and then she starts walking back uh they see the fireworks shinji makes a comment about how he wants to uh come back next year from the year after that and uh asuka even has a little thought to herself of like yeah i hope when that happens we can become us, implying she wants to be a couple in a year's time. Uh, which, I mean, solid timeline you got there, Asuka. Maybe bump it up a couple months. But, sure, you take a year, baby. Um, I mean, her mother's Kyoko. She might be very, like, analytical on this. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, and then she slips a little bit, and then says, Hey, Shinji, we should hold hands, because I have a shitty sandal. Also, before uh, she does this, she slips a little bit, and Shinji catches her, but the way he catches her is by wrapping his arms around her from behind, and one of the arms goes under the yukata, so probably for the best that she's like, hey, we should hold hands, because this is a very slippery walking implement so, hey, you keep, set up So keep track me. of where your fucking hands are, Shinji. Yeah, you should hold one of my hands with uh, one of your hands, and then your other hand should be cut off 
for stealing a cop, a cup of fuel. Um, grope, maybe? Stealing a grope. That's bad. No, I take that back. Um, <laughs> so she uh, explains that they should just hold hands while they walk back to provide her with balance because she has a shitty uh, walking. Um, and then they walk back and run into Kirishima and Ayanami because they realize that uh, they had left them alone for too long and they might progress ship and that's not okay is like the thing that we're not told and the, the thing we are told is because Toji didn't explain where his super awesome spot for watching the fireworks was uh, so they wanted to go back and make sure that they could find it. Sure it was Mana and Rei. Sure that's the reason. Anyways we got two more chapters and this is another uh, double feature situation where it's one story told over the course of two chapters. Gendo once again mysteriously disappears for a day. Yet yeah, Gendo disappears. Ritsuko's mom uh, comes up with a weird experiment for them to perform. Yeah. Another one of those bug fights. Except there's no bugs this time. Yeah, they're just spheres. Just spheres. Also, uh, slightly before this happens, uh, they're sitting together in their plug suits, uh, just like chatting, and Asuka's clearly in the process of buying a drink, and she asks Shinji what he wants. And Shinji's ignoring her to have a conversation with Rei. Um, and then Asuka's like, Jesus fucking Christ, Shinji, what the fuck do you goddamn want in a woman? I mean, drink. What do you want in a drink? And Shinji's like, oh, tea. Uh, and so she sits down. She doesn't hand him anything. And Shinji's like, oh, what happened to mine? And she's like, I don't fucking know. What do you want in a woman? Uh, I mean, nothing. And so Shinji gets kind of upset because he didn't get a drink. And then... Uh, Ray starts to hand him her drink, and she's like, you should drink from this. That'd be an indirect kiss. Which I guess is a concept Ray's becoming very obsessed with, is the concept of an indirect kiss. Um, well, started with that apple slice. Yeah. The apple slice that uh, did not come in contact with her mouth, but just the rest of her body. Um, and so, Asuka sees what's about to happen with this indirect kiss, and she starts playing 4D chess. And so she hands up the drink that she already cracked open, and she's like, I was just fucking with you. This is your drink. And then Shinji takes a sip from it, and then she reaches out, snatches the drink from him, and starts drinking from it again. And, like, does the weird, like, fuck you look at Rei. And she's like, see, I stole the indirect kiss. You get no kiss from Shinji. I get all the indirect kisses. We get communist uh, Asuka. Our drink. This is our drink. It's not yours. It's ours. <laughs> Which, like... Just seems like the dumbest thing possible, but like Ray fully internally has an inner monologue of "Wow, Oscar's playing forty chess here. Like she is six steps ahead of me. I was not prepared for that." Aggressively stepping up her game, a level of deviousness. Uh, so uh, while this is happening, the lab techs Misato and uh, Yui and Ritsuko's mom are all talking about the upcoming uh, experiment. Uh, what's you, uh, Ritsuko's mom? Naoko. Name? Naoko, thank you. So Naoko, Yui, Misato, and the lab techs are all talking And then, uh, Naoko's being really, uh, cagey about what the actual test is. They all get into school, and then Naoko just straight up hands a piece of paper to Yui and fucking walks away. And it's like, if you didn't want anyone else to, like, fucking know about it, fuck, come on, man, just... Don't be so shitty. Yeah, the interactions are pretty much always Naoko pissing off Yui, and Yui's always getting pissed off. Not because Naoko's annoying or anything, but the audacity of this bitch. Yeah, this fucking bitch. Uh, so anyways, they get guns, and they realize it's so much last time, except instead of escaping from the labs that are full of bugs, they need to escape from the school, which is full of orbs. Uh, and so they shoot at the orbs. Some of the orbs die. They run around the school shooting orbs. Shinji collapses and gropes uh, one of them. Probably Ray, if I had to guess. It's usually Ray. It's usually Ray. Uh, and then they run out the back door. They get to the front entrance. Um, except it's blocked by a barrier. And they're told they have to kill the orbs in order to escape. Specifically and then a, a bigger orb. Yeah, and a giant orb appears behind them. And they're like, alright, cool. Bigger target, easier to hit. And then they shoot it, and when they shoot it, it splits into two. And then when they shoot those two, they split into four. And they're like, oh, fuck, this is impossible. And then they just start getting hammered by these giant orbs. And so they all collapse and fall unconscious. 
And then they wake up. And where do they wake up, Keith? Well, uh, before this, I do want to point out the fact that uh, this doesn't seem to be part of the test specifically from everyone in the office because uh, them not being able to escape and the fact that they can't force eject them are two big, like, alerts that go off. Yeah, that's true. Uh, so the fact that there's a barrier preventing them from escaping is questionable. And then everyone's like, all right, just cut the cord, uh, eject them. And then the system does not respond to the eject command. Yeah, and uh, automatically which... Yui assumes it's Sile involved somehow. Yeah, uh, they're like, man, we can't eject. And Yui just under her breath is like, Sile. Um, I don't know that it was under her breath. It's a comic. I can't tell how loudly she said something. But I interpreted it as her saying it under her breath. Fair. So, so anyways, they get knocked unconscious. They wake up under a familiar ceiling, according to Shinji. Uh, and Asuka's like, yeah, Shinji, it's a fucking familiar ceiling. We're back in the classroom where we started. Also the classroom where we have class every day. You're being an idiot for calling out their ceiling for being familiar. Which is a nice uh, Evangelion reference there, Asuka. An Evangelion reference in the Evangelion comic? What? Wait a second. What's this? Uh, so now they're all kind of panicked about what the fuck are they going to do because they couldn't kill that thing. And uh, Yui starts reading over Naoko's notes, and she's like, no, this is just a routine description of events. It doesn't tell us anything about resetting back, being unable to eject or anything like that. Like, what the fuck's going on here? And then she reads the back of the note, and there's some line about uh, finding the music in life or something. And so they decide that the kids need to go to the music room, and maybe that'll uh, provide them with salvation. So they run to the music room... Slam the doors behind them, search the room, and very quickly find uh, a Twister. Yeah, yeah, it's for. I don't know why they just make it a bunch of numbers, but it's just clearly Twister. It's just Twister. It's Twister, except instead of colors in rows, each individual space has a number, so they have a lot more control over how you're positioned. You can't say, I'm just putting my foot on green, I'm putting my foot on this very specific space. Uh, it's Twister, but with added complexity, essentially. Um, and they have to play 20 turns, I believe it is, uh, and they just barely managed to pass it, and that's when they find out... Oh, uh, sorry, I didn't say this, but hopefully it goes out without saying, Twister is already a game where the whole point of the game is that you're put in weird, sexually compromising positions with members of the opposite sex, and this is the Shinji Akari Raising Project, so they are very much so put in sexually compromising positions. Like, for some reason, Shinji is, uh facing upwards while the other two are facing downwards, so they're constantly pushing their crotches and chests up against his face. Um, it's... I mean, what did you fucking expect from this comic and this game? Yeah, I, honestly, I'm gonna blame Hasbro more for this one because they invented Twister. Yeah. This is what Twister was always supposed to be. Twister was never supposed to be a fun little game you play with your cousins. Oh, 100% not. Twister was marketed as a fun little game where you play with your cousins. Uh, and then in the middle of playing a game with your cousins, you have a sexual awakening, realizing that this is inappropriate for you to play with fact, anyone other than... In fact, if you have a child and they say specifically, I want Twister, you know what their fucking game is. Yeah, Twister should only be bought by people who are approximately college-aged, buying it for themselves to play while drinking with members of the opposite sex. Or any that sex is... that they want. Any sex you want, really. Yeah, you know what? I, I take that back. You're right. Um, Twister should be bought by college-aged adults... To be played with other consenting adults. That is the only people who should be buying Twister. If you're a parent with small children, don't buy Twister. Even if you're buying it for yourself, don't buy Twister. Because your children are going to find out about Twister. And they're going to want to play. And you don't want that to be a situation. Yeah, you don't want to have a talk with your kids explaining how Twister is supposed to be played. <laughs> yeah, so just, like, don't buy Twister. You know what? Yeah, that's my actual point here. My stance and the stance of the podcast as a whole is don't play Twister. Just don't. <laughs> Just make sure um, your kids are aware of how to play, practice Safe Twister, though, when they're of age. Uh, we are an abstinence-only podcast, uh, specifically when it comes to Twister. We're not a safe, <laughs> we're not a safe Twister podcast. We're an abstinence-only podcast. <laughs> All right, we need to get our messaging straight. We're not going to endorse playing Twister even safely. I mean, that being said, play one of Hasbro's other many fine products. Actually, you know, Hasbro's been doing some shit lately. Uh, from my understanding, so no, just don't buy Hasbro products. That That's my new stance. <laughs> don't buy Hasbro products. Fuck Hasbro. Anyways, after winning at Twister, um, they find out the unique schematics of the floating orbs, and uh, how the splitting and recombining works, and how to actually damage them. And so that's 
an interesting lesson for everyone involved. Uh, in fact, it's an interesting lesson for the audience, because it means if you do end up playing Twister, which, first of all, once again, our stance, just don't, but if you do end up playing Twister and you win, you will find out a fundamental truth about the universe. So you find, yeah, you find out how to target the orbs. Yeah, you find out how to kill orbs that split whenever you shoot them with a gun. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, so they come up with a plan. One person's going to have to be bait down below. The other two are going to go to the roof of the building. Because they need um, to destroy the core. Because the core is only visible from on top. Uh, Asuka's like, obviously I'm our best combatant, so I should be the bait. And Shinji's like, I agree with the first thing you said there about you being the best combatant in here, but I feel like the best combatant should be the one doing the combating, and our worst combatant should be the bait. So I'll be the bait. Which, honestly... A-plus situational and self-awareness there, Shinji. The worst combatant shouldn't be the one doing the combatant, and you are, in fact, the worst combatant here. So, A-plus all around, Shinji. You know yourself, you know the game. He's becoming a tactician. Yeah. Um, so, anyways, they go forward with the plan. Shinji acts as bait. He gets his attention. Uh, Ray and Asuka start shooting the cores. They almost destroy the cores. They're clearly, like, a little bit cracked. But they're out of ammo, because that's the way these situations go. Can't just give people infinite ammo. They have to give them exactly one bullet less than is necessary. Every time we've seen them in a situation with these guns, they have, been in a, they have ended up in a situation where if they had but one bullet more, they would win the situation, but they don't have that one bullet more. Uh, so they decide they're going to get down from the roof and defeat this uh, orb in the only way that uh, makes sense. I and think you mean in the coolest way fucking possible. Both are true. Um, and by that, we both mean with an Evangelion reference. That's two in one chapter. Yeah. This uh, uh, it's, this series really is leaning on reference. A little fucking weird from being honest. Yeah. Uh, this one is uh, clearly the reference to the Yisrafel fight, the one where they had to, the splitting angel, uh, essentially, and they finished it off the same way with the double drop kick. Yeah, exactly. So the orbs as a whole felt like kind of an Yisrafel reference. Uh because of the fact that it's the whole thing of when you would normally destroy it, instead it splits in two. Uh, and then, yeah, the way they defeat it is exactly the same way with the perfectly synchronized duo dropkick situation, uh, where they crush the core with their foot, and then it dies, and then they collapse in a heap on top of Shinji. That part's not from the original anime, but might as well be. Yeah, the difference here is that it's Rei instead of Shinji. Yeah. The other difference is it took no practice at all to synchronize perfectly. That's true. Which uh, just shows you how... I, I mean, to well, be fair, fair, most of this training, the, like, these last few volumes, has been getting Ray and Asuka to be able to work together. Yeah, also, if you think back to the Israfel training, uh, Ray demonstrated she had no trouble synchronizing with Shinji. So Ray is just clearly capable of synchronizing with anyone, even Asuka. It's just Shinji that sucks. Uh, well, Shinji and Asuka combined as a team. Anyways, as they're lying in a heap, uh, Gendo and Naoko walk back into the office and are like, good work, everyone. And then they reveal the test wasn't actually for the kids. The test was for the adults and see how they would handle a situation with unforeseen uh, consequences and how they would handle being kind of left to solve these puzzles on their own. Uh, and Yui storms the fuck out because she's like, Jesus fucking Christ, I'm not being tested by my, by my goddamn fucking husband while he gallivants around with Naoko. Yeah, this is kind of like, we get shady Gendo in this one, almost. Yeah, Gendo's being a little bit fucking sketched, let's be honest. But, uh, that's kind of where this, uh, volume ends, with the slight exception of the three children. Because this whole fight is happening in the real world, three children are just, like, sitting in the empty exercise now, being like, they gonna take us out of here at some point? And they don't. Well, they do get out, because the extra chapter happens. That's true. There's the extra special bonus chapter, which takes place just after this, um, and involves Asuka trying to set up a situation where she can continue using the baths, because as we previously learned, the baths in this building are far better than the baths at home. Yep. So she orchestrates a situation where everyone else goes home and she gets to have the bath all to herself, only to find out that her mother's in the bath, and we continue the joke of her mother baths at inhuman fucking temperatures, and she scalds her fucking uh, skin. I don't home. know about that. I, I, I'm on, uh, Kyoko's aside on this one. The, uh, boiling the flesh off your bones is the best temperature. Sure, I'll accept it. Uh, my favorite temperature is the one where 
Yep, uh, I can't think of an end to that sentence. Um, uh, well, I mean, I can think of an end to that sentence, but it's a very dark ending to that sentence, so I'm just not going to say um, Probably for the best. Probably for the best. So, uh, Kyoko and Asuka talk a little bit. Meanwhile, while Kyoko's talking, Asuka is just fully checking out her mother, trying to figure out if her mother's chest has grown bigger. Um, then Ray shows up, and she's like, Sorry, uh... I just wanted to realize I never said goodbye to you, Asuka, after the event. Uh, and I thought we worked really well together in training. You remember how we, like, synchronized dropkick to that one angel? It was just orbs that split. It'd be super fucking cool. Hey, when we defeated the orb. I just wanted to say that. And then Asuka's like, yeah, you didn't have to fucking come into my private alone time bath to say that to me. And Asuka's like, cool. And then she climbs into the bathtub with her, which obviously... Or Ray climbs into the bathtub, which obviously makes Asuka more upset. Um... And then Asuka also continues checking out uh, Kyoko, and she's like, Kyoko, I got a really important question for you. And Kyoko's like, yeah, what's up? And she's like, have you always been that fucking big? And Kyoko's like, you call me fat, bitch? Oh, you're talking about my titties. Yeah, no, my titties were not always this size. Uh, I have grown as I have aged. Um, and then Kyoko explains that uh, lots of scientific studies have been do done uh, that show that the more you're groped, the larger your chest gets. Uh, and also explains that Ray seems to be growing, and maybe one day she'll be the same size as Oscar. Which is causing both of them to think back to all of the many times that Shinji has groped both of them. Um, which is... Yeah, it's an odd chapter, but it has a surprisingly wholesome ending. Yeah, so both of them thinking about, it's weird that that's happened and they're blushing at each other. Uh, Shinji actually ends up waiting outside of the bath when Dad's getting kind of late, and he's like, I didn't want you to have to go home alone. Um, and then Asuka's like, uh, I thought you had already left. And he's like, yeah, but it's like super dark out. Imagine if someone were to like sneak up behind you. And then Asuka starts beating the shit out of Shinji, and she's like, oh, I do not need with my growth in that way, because obviously she's still thinking about what Kyoko just told her. Yeah, Shinji tries to be nice and wait up for Asuka to make sure he can walk her home. Um, and Asuka beats him up for trying to grope her. Because she is aware of who Shinji is at this point. Yeah. Honestly, I'm surprised uh, nothing Shinji happened this whole chapter with the three of them in the baths. Yeah. I mean, I guess maybe he took that there's no more accidents to heart thing. He knew he couldn't survive. <laughs> he knew if uh, something did happen, uh, he would die. So, any. I'm assuming ever since that conversation, anytime any female is inside the baths, he makes a point of turning off his uh, harem powers. Because he knows perhaps tripping and clutching a chest on Ray or something like that, um, he can maybe get away with. But walking into someone in the showers, uh, he's gonna fucking... Exactly. Especially where Asuka set up that trap last time. <laughs> yeah. So... What do we think? Was this a good volume? Yeah, uh, I mean, there's definitely some of the weird stuff in this one as well, because it's always a bit weird where the main characters are 14 and this stuff happens, but yeah, I think uh, this chapter has a lot of that outweighed by the wholesomeness of a lot of the stuff. Yeah, there's a lot of wholesome moments, and even the weirdness, I feel, is also kind of balanced by the fact that more and more characters are starting to acknowledge that what's happening is fucking weird, and Shinji is in some way responsible, so honestly, I feel better the more characters about Shinji. Yeah. Probably for the best. Like, the best thing about this is just Asuka's like, no more accidents. Yeah, there will be no more accidents, Shinji. Anything that happens from this point on, we are both acknowledging happened on purpose. Which is probably what Asuka needs to do from the beginning. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I would say this was a pretty solid uh, chapter. There was some growth. Um... Yeah, a lot of the story of this one kind of revolves around Asuka feeling like Rei is passing her by, essentially. And it makes yeah. sense, because Rei is always friendly to Shinji, and Asuka is not. Yeah, but it's Asuka realizing she needs to be a bit friendlier to Shinji if she wants to keep up the same growth that uh, Rei's having. Yeah. Well then. Yeah, I think with that, it's time to wrap up this episode. Uh, so make sure to follow the podcast. We upload this every Wednesday on all podcasting platforms as well as YouTube. Uh, so make sure to like, favorite, subscribe, tell a friend, leave a comment, write a review. Word of mouth definitely helps with spreading the podcast around. 
On top of that, if you'd like to reach out to us directly, you can send us an email at whatismypodcastabout at gmail.com. And we also have the Instagram page, Fairway Evangelion. On that Instagram page, we put up facts and tidbits about the series as we go through, just explain some of the story in chronological order as we release these podcasts. And we also interact and do some polls there, so we are pretty quick about getting back to you when you reach out. And as always, Peter, what can we expect on the next volume of the Shinji Akari Raising Project, Volume 12? Alright, I'm making both an Eva produ- uh, Evangelion prediction and a Slice of Life prediction. So Slice of Life, uh, Shinji's going to go on a date with Ray, probably, since we need some Ray progress. And it's going to be a skating date. Shinji's going skating with Ray. Uh, we're also going to get more angels, except the angels are coming in the form of these simulations. Uh, and it's going to be Sandalfon. We're going to see Sandalfon in simulation form. And as always, plenty of answers.